Well, hey, good morning, everybody. It's great to see you here on Fall Back Sunday. This has got to be one of my favorite Sundays out of the whole year. Got to drink my coffee a little slower this morning. Well, I want to welcome all of you here today, whether you are in person or if you're watching online. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to the families who are with our teacher assistance program. Uh, we're excited to have you visiting with us today, and I hope you get to hang out after service and have some pretzels with everybody. But this morning, we are continuing in our series called Strong. Uh, it's been about two months since we started the Strong Challenge, and it's been great to see God working through this time. Uh, with this challenge, we've looked at specific habits that will put us in a place where God builds spiritual strength in us. Now, the habits that we've looked at were, number one, prayer, having an ongoing conversation with God every day. Number two, digging into God's Word and hearing from Him through Scripture. And number three, serving others in the same way that Jesus served. Number four, learning to give and to be generous in an extravagant way. And then the fifth week was about spiritual training. In that week, we talked about some special habits like confession and fasting. And we also talked about how to maintain all of these habits over the long haul. And that was all in the first half of this series. But the second half is all about taking the spiritual strength that God gives and then going out to bless our community and bless our world. Now, we're not adding any new habits here in the second half. We're just going right back through that old list. So we are praying in a way that blesses others. And we're digging into Scripture not just to get a bunch of head knowledge, but so that we can share the good news about Jesus with as many people as possible. And this morning, we're going back to that practice of serving. We want to live with the attitude and mindset of a servant wherever we go. Uh, Troy preached on this idea several weeks ago, and he read from the book of John, chapter 13. And that's where Jesus humbles himself, and he serves his disciples by taking out a basin and picking up a towel and washing their dirty feet. And then at the end of that story, he says, by doing this, I've given all of you an example to follow. You need to go out and treat each other in the same way that I've treated you. So that's our focus for today. How can we follow the example of Jesus and take on that identity of a servant? How can we serve others in our homes and in our community and in our country and even in our world? And we're going to walk away with some specific ideas today. But as we get started, I want to look at another episode between Jesus and his disciples. It's found in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 20. In, in this story, Jesus is approached by a mother of two of his disciples. These were brothers named James and John. And so this mother walks up to Jesus with her sons by her side. And then she kneels down and she says, Jesus, I have a favor to ask of you. And Jesus says, okay, <laughs> what did you have in mind? And the mother says, would you Please allow one of my sons to sit at your right hand and the other son to sit at your left hand when you come into your kingdom and sit on your throne. Now, the Bible doesn't say whether or not James and John were embarrassed by their mom here, uh, but I'd have to say they probably should have been. Uh, it kind of reminds me of when I played basketball 
in high school, and uh, there was a particular game where I never left the bench. I never got out onto the court. And my dad took it on himself to go tell the coach that I deserved a little playing time. I know my dad meant well, but I wasn't a big fan of that. And besides, the coach was right in a close game. I'm not the one you wanted out there. But here in, in Matthew chapter 20, this mom, she's just trying to make sure her boys land a good position. But Jesus kind of shakes his head and he's like, you don't know what you're asking. He, he comes back at them with a question. He says, can you drink the cup that I'm about to drink? And with that question, Jesus is saying, guys, it's not what you think. I am headed for some difficult times. I'm going to suffer, and I'm going to die. And you don't know what you're signing up for. Right about that time, the other disciples started arguing. They were like, seriously? Did, Did that just happen? Did James and John and their mom try to convince Jesus to promote them over us? And that right there is what you call a perfect teachable moment. And Jesus takes advantage of that moment, and he says something amazing. Matthew chapter 20, verse 25. Jesus called them together, and he said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And this is classic Jesus. He takes our normal way of thinking and he turns it upside down. Uh, he says, you, you want to be great? Well, then don't go looking for power. Don't go after control. Just go out and start serving people. And then he says the same thing with even stronger wording. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. And that statement sounds borderline crazy, doesn't it? Because I think all of us here would agree. Slavery is bad, right? Slaves don't have any rights, and that's a terrible thing. But we have to be clear about what Jesus is saying here. He's not referring to someone else making you a slave. This is about you deciding that you want to be a slave. This is about you giving up your rights by choice. And notice here, Jesus is not telling us to do something that he's not willing to do himself. He says, I did not come into this world to be served, but to serve. And when Jesus chose to serve us, it went beyond giving up his rights. He laid down his life. He went to the cross, and he took the penalty of death that we deserved, and he put that on, our, on his shoulders. He did that out of love for us. And so that's the example that Jesus gave us to follow. Serving like Jesus means that you give up your rights and your comfort for the good of others, and that's the path to true greatness. And I know I said Jesus sounds a little crazy here, but the truth is, The world really does value a person who lives a a selfless life, the life of a servant. In fact, many occupations and careers have the word serve or service built right into the job description. 
For example, the Los Angeles Police Department adopted a motto back in 1963, and the motto was to protect and to serve. And that slogan was later adopted by many other police forces. And we also use this word when we refer to the military. A person who joins the military is serving their country. Uh, You might approach a veteran and say, thank you for your service. And we are rightfully grateful when someone sacrifices their comfort or their safety for the good of others. Now, in some cases, this concept shows up in kind of a surprising way. Uh, For example, uh, convicted criminals are often required to do community service. You've probably seen prison inmates picking up trash on the side of the highway. And that is one way for offenders to learn the benefits of giving rather than taking. It takes the focus off of me and redirects that focus onto others. And you know, at the end of the day, that's something we all want, right? There's, there's something in us that longs to live for the sake of others. Think about it. When you do something kind and good and you make a positive difference in someone else's life, how do you feel about that? You get a sense of fulfillment. But there's also a part of us that just wants to be selfish, We have this desire to live for our own interests and our own happiness. And sooner or later, that pursuit will leave you feeling empty. So it's ironic, isn't it? If my main goal is my own happiness, I'm probably going to end up pretty miserable. But if I go into every situation with the goal of serving others, it blesses them, but it also blesses me. Uh, you can see this in the life of a guy named Truett Cathy. He's the founder of Chick-fil-A. Cathy passed away several years ago, but during his career, he pioneered a principle that is now known as servant leadership. Uh, We often think of a successful business leader as someone who uses power and authority to get things done, even if that means stepping on a few people along the way. But a servant leader is not interested in that. There's an article about Truett Cathy that had this to say. Listen to this. According to Cathy, the main idea of servant leadership is that the leaders serve the staff. Managers treat their employees how they want those employees, in turn, to treat customers. And Cathy said, if we have to keep telling people what to do, It means we're not modeling the behavior ourselves. If we're living it every day, we don't need to talk about it. So a key characteristic of a servant leader is the desire to serve. And when that happens, everybody benefits. And I love that because it proves that Jesus was right. There is no question that Truett Cathy's leadership style was successful. No matter how you would define success, I mean, the Chick-fil-A drive through always has a longer line than everybody else, doesn't it? So it's a perfect example of what Jesus said. Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. So let's stop for a second and ask why this principle is true. Why does the world at large admire someone who serves? And why do we get a sense of fulfillment when we serve others? Well, it's pretty simple, really. It goes back to the reason we exist in the first place. 
God created us to serve, not to be served. The number one reason we're here is to worship God and to serve him. And one of the most important ways we can serve him is to serve others. In Ephesians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church and he says, For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Have you ever thought about your life that way? Thousands and thousands of years ago, God knew that you would be here right now. And he had a plan. He he would create you as his masterpiece, as a great work of art. But you would be a work of art with a purpose. It reminds me of Stradivarius, the great violin maker. Uh, Many people think of a Stradivarius as the best-sounding violin you could ever hear. Only 650 of these instruments still exist. And a few years ago, one sold for over $15 million. One violin. And when something is that valuable, it's tempting to, to just lock it away and never let anybody touch it. But that's not, way, that's not why Stradivarius made those violins, right? They were made to be heard. They were made to be played I got on YouTube and I I listened to somebody playing that $15 million violin and I'd have to say, yeah, it sounded pretty good. (laughs) Uh, What do I know though? The point is this, uh, you are that masterpiece and you were created with a purpose to serve him and to serve others. And it makes sense that you would be most fulfilled when you live out that purpose. So let's look at some ways to apply this principle in our lives. Back in Matthew chapter 20, Jesus talks about serving not so much as an activity that you do now and then. It's an identity. And that means if you're going to follow his example, you have to take the attitude of a servant wherever you go. So let's think about some different settings where we can take that attitude. And we have to start at home, right? This starts by giving up your rights and your comfort for the people you live with. And we don't always want to do that, do we? There's always a job around the house that you would love to avoid. I thought about some of my least favorite jobs at home, and I asked Hannah if I should describe them in the sermon, and she said they're too disgusting for me to talk about. Uh, If you want to ask me later, though, I'd be glad to tell you what they are. In generic terms, though, my least favorite jobs involve cleaning up a mess of some kind. And usually these are messes that I did not make. And I could say, by all rights, I should not be expected to do this job. But that's the opposite of what Jesus said, right? Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. That sounds really harsh, doesn't it? If you think of one person slaving for the rest of the family, that sounds terrible. But let's imagine for for just a second, what if everybody in your home bent over backwards trying to be a servant and even a slave for everyone else? If everybody was doing that, what would the result be? Well, all of those dirty jobs would get done, and over time, All of you would build a sense of unity and togetherness 
and love. And if you want to get to that place, there's an easy way to start. You start with the question, how can I help? Just go throughout the day looking for times that you could ask, how can I help? Go up to your spouse and ask that question. If you're a kid, if you're, if you're a teenager, maybe especially if you're a teenager, go to your parents and ask that question. How can I help? And right after they pick themselves up off the floor, they will tell you they really appreciate you asking that. So when we adopt the attitude of a servant, we, ha- we have to begin at home. We should also look for ways to serve our community. Last week, we talked about loving your neighbor. We talked about meeting the needs of people who live nearby. And for followers of Christ, that means pointing people to Jesus with our words and also our actions. And last Sunday was more about sharing Jesus with our words. But today's context is more about actions. How can we go into our community with the attitude of a servant? And here at Plum Creek, we want to serve our community any way we can. Uh, Here recently, we've tried to do that with our teacher assistance program. We've taken the children of parents who teach in our local schools, and we've given them a safe and a supervised place to be while those teachers are in their respective schools caring for the students they work with. And it goes without saying that this has been a stressful time for many of us, and teachers are definitely feeling that stress. And as a church, we know there are many, many needs around us right now, and there are many parents who need help, not just teachers. And we wish we could help everyone. But several years ago, I heard a quote from a preacher named Andy Stanley, and this quote has stayed with me ever since. He said, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. That's a great strategy for a church, and that's a great strategy for any of us as individuals. And a church like ours needs to raise up an army of individuals who say, I can't do everything, but I can do something. I want you to meet one of those individuals right now. Debbie Isaacs has been volunteering with our teacher assistance program, and she agreed to share some of her experience with us. So let's watch this video. I am Debbie Isaacs, and I am a retired teacher. Uh, that I've taught for 34 years and just recently retired as of June uh, from the Campbell County School System. And uh, presently, I am volunteering at Plum Creek uh, Church in the Teacher Assistance Program, uh, and I volunteer on Tuesdays. This program is for uh, teachers in the Campbell County system. I think we might have a few from Pendleton County, but their children come here during the day while they're at school, uh, and we just help them with their lessons throughout the day, whether it be virtually or uh, on paper, whatever they are doing. And I'm volunteering in the first through third grade room. One of the questions that people ask a retired person is, what are they going to do next? And I really didn't have a plan. per se, day by day, as to what I was going to do. But Jared called and asked uh, if I would volunteer, and I had a day in mind that thought would be a good day for me was Tuesday, and that's the exact day that Jared asked was if I would volunteer on Tuesday. So it worked out perfectly. 
prayed about it, talked to some people about it, and they felt it would be a good fit. Uh, as I said, I was recently retired and did not get the end of the school year closure like I would have because of COVID uh, and felt that this would be a good way for me to interact with kids because that's my number one thing as a teacher that I enjoyed the most was the relationships and just working with the kids in a day-in, day-out basis. So I've had that opportunity to be able to do that on Tuesdays. Many rewards uh, to this experience. Uh, probably the first one is just the relationship that I've made with these kids and just enjoy seeing the, that learning take place. Uh, and just the teacher in me is to be able to sit down with them and help them. Uh, so that's just the greatest reward. Also watching the parents come and go each day because we wa I'm here when they sign them in and also here when they sign them out. And just the relationship that I've made with some of those has just been a great reward. I knew a lot of the teachers because of being a Campbell County uh, employee for so long. So I've known several of the teachers, but just that relationship that you have, there have been nothing but positive comments. Just the appreciation that they show to us is uh, really sweet, uh, but they're, they're totally stressed out right now. Uh, and so I think us taking care of their children while they are working uh, with their students at their schools has just meant a lot to them. I think some people were kind of skeptical of us doing this uh, and for the purpose of other people besides our own church people, but I just feel that we are reaching out to people who may not be members here at Plum Creek and the purpose uh, of this is a outreach to the community that we are here and of my time that I've ever been at Plum Creek we've done that time after time in different situations and this is with COVID the way it is today uh, and the challenges that it's faced that it's caused for many families I just believe that this is a true ministry that is a good outreach for for you know for people that are not necessarily members of Plum Creek uh, I think it's just a benefit uh, and it's been a great ministry I think it's think it's awesome and it's been a great time. I've learned a lot. I believe that God placed this volunteer opportunity in front of me. I've always looked at teaching as a mission for me. Uh, my 34 years that that the my classroom was my mission field and I believe that he's allowed me this opportunity to work with these kids to be his light for him. Uh, and that's the sole purpose. Uh, I mean, that's the sole purpose of any ministry that you're in is that you are trying to be a light, his light out in the real world. And we're able to do this right here at our church. Well, I really appreciate Debbie sharing that. And she is so right. Uh, with this ministry, we're trying to be his light in our community. Uh, this week in our strong huddle groups, uh, you'll decide on a practical way to go serve our community, and then we'll go out and do it. Uh, for Plum Creek, for any follower of Christ serving our community, it should be a way of life. But let's take a moment to think about our country. It's election week. It's a critical time to think about how we can serve our country right now. Uh, there are lots of ways to serve, of course, but I want to mention two specific things we can do in this season. First, pray. And second, vote. Some people may want to skip that first step, but it's so important. 
We need to go before the God of the universe and ask that his will be done in our nation. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Uh, Tomorrow at noon, I'm going to be live on Facebook, and I invite you to join me uh, as we pray for our country. If you haven't followed us yet, you can just look up Plum Creek Christian Church on Facebook. So that's one way to serve, but I also encourage you to vote. Now, maybe you've already voted, Maybe you're pretty much set on who you're voting for, but if you're still undecided, I have a suggestion. As a filter, you can look at the candidates in every contest and ask, who is most likely to take on the role of a servant leader? Who will come closest to the example of Jesus? Who, who is most likely to be a servant for all people, black and white and every other ethnicity? Older people, younger people, as well as the unborn. And we know that no one will match the example of Jesus, but we can vote with that pattern in mind. And by the way, no matter what happens this week, I have a reminder for every Christian. Our king is not up for election on Tuesday. Jesus will continue to be the king of all kings. And whatever the future brings... Our role is to trust God and surrender to him. Okay, so I have one last setting where we can take this role and this attitude of a servant. And this is the biggest challenge. Uh, We can look for ways to serve the world as a whole. And I admit, this feels overwhelming because we're talking about billions and billions of people. And like I said earlier, nobody can do everything for everybody. But you might be surprised at the ways that God can use us to serve people on a global scale. We all have the potential to share the love of Christ with people in other countries and other cultures, even though you may never meet those people. Many of us here at Plum Creek sponsor a child in Kenya through a ministry called Missions of Hope. My family has sponsored a little boy named Alex for over two years now. And we love to send letters back and forth and see how he's doing. And it's such a privilege to be used by God in a small way to help Alex be healthy, physically and mentally and especially spiritually. Uh, Something like child sponsorship, though, it's only the beginning. Uh, We learn how to best serve the world when we start to see from God's global perspective. There is a big picture that we often miss if we are only focused in our our community right around us. And if you're interested in getting that bigger picture, I want to invite you to an event that's happening very soon at Plum Creek. It's called the Vista Challenge. And I want to let Tom Schneller explain what this challenge is about. Let's watch this. Hello, brothers and sisters at Plum Creek. This is Tom Schneller from Disciple Makers. We at Disciple Makers are very grateful for the partnership that we have in sharing the gospel throughout the world. And as a small way to show that appreciation, we would like to invite you to an upcoming event here at Plum Creek, something which we're very excited about called the Vista Challenge. What is the Vista Challenge? Well, I'm glad that you asked. First of all, the word Vista has long been associated with words synonymous to a view or an outlook. Likewise, Vista gives the understanding of a broader panorama as if you were viewing things from a mountaintop. 
Just recently, I was visiting one of the church members whose property has a beautiful panoramic view of the surrounding area. And I thought, wow, what a vista, what a sight. So vista has to deal with our sight. The challenge then in the vista challenge is just this, to see things from God's broader view and thus be ruined for the ordinary. I know the first time that I went through some of the content, which is part of the Vista Challenge, quite honestly, I was changed and ruined for the ordinary. There are many things that even to this day, I no longer view the same way. During the Vista Challenge event, you have an opportunity to see God's broader view. You will learn about his eternal plan and purpose as we briefly walk through four important areas. These areas include the biblical, the historical, the contemporary, and the strategic aspects of God's eternal mission. Are you up for the Vista Challenge? Do you dare join us in this event and quite possibly be ruined for the ordinary? I hope so. I would love to see you there. God bless. So this event is happening on Saturday, November 14th in the morning, and that's just two weeks from now. Uh, to get more information or to go ahead and register, you can go to plumcreek.org slash vista. Well, we've looked at taking the attitude of a servant into our homes, into our community, into our country and the world. And I get excited when I think about what could happen if everybody at our church took on this identity of a servant, not just here and there, but everywhere we go. And not just now and then, but all day, every day. If everybody did that, there's no question that this world would be a better place. So what prevents us from living that kind of life? Well, serving like Jesus requires selfless sacrifice. And there's always that part of us that wants to live in the pursuit of our own interests and our own happiness. But remember, Jesus never asked us to do something he wasn't willing to do himself. In John chapter 15, Jesus said, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one, one's friends. So Jesus asks us to, to follow his example. Love each other as I have loved you. And how did he love us? He became a servant and even a slave. He gave up his rights and his comfort and he laid down his life for us. And like he said, there's no greater love than that. So Jesus set his own happiness aside in order to serve us. He died so that we might live. But there's also that irony, right? If we give up the pursuit of our own happiness, and, and you go into every situation with the attitude and the goal of serving others, well, it blesses them but then it also blesses you. Hebrews chapter 12 explains it really well. Verse 2 is referring to Jesus, and it says, Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. For Jesus, all of his pain and suffering was worth it. Why? because of the joy awaiting him, the joy that was set before him. Jesus looked past that pain. He looked past his death, and he saw the future. He saw that on the third day he would rise from the dead. 
He also saw that day that hasn't happened yet when everyone in Christ rises from the dead to live in the presence of God forever. Jesus knew that future would bring him joy. You know, if, if you belong to Jesus, there's a joy set before you, too. There, there's a future with no more stress or division or viruses or tears or death. And that's where we'll find ultimate joy and ultimate fulfillment. So yes, while we're still here in this world, serving like Jesus requires selfless sacrifice. But in the end, it is worth it. It's absolutely worth it. Let's pray. Father, I I pray that you will help us to just kill off that part of us that wants to live a self-centered life. And I pray that you will grow that part of us that, uh, that you've built in, uh, that you've wired us to serve others, to find fulfillment in that. So Lord, help us to, to serve uh, with that selfless attitude everywhere we go, every day. And Lord, I pray that you will remind us of the joy that comes after this life, uh, after all the challenges and struggles here. Lord, help us to, to serve with that goal, that future in mind. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.